Um, to flip the switch a little bit, we're looking at the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of Jesus. What Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. And Jesus promised his disciples, John 13, 14, 15, 16, before he went to the cross, he promised his followers, listen, if I remain in you and you in me, you will bear fruit. Now, the fruit, as we've been talking about, is not just a better you, a new you, a nicer you. No, the fruit is that as Jesus is at work in your life, he's gonna be at work through your life for the good of others. And then Galatians 5, we've been looking at as well, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and more. But I wanna start with a disclaimer that we're gonna do every single week so that you don't get misunderstanding what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. This is what the Spirit has come to do. That's why we're realizing the Holy Spirit is God above, yes, but he has come now and he's working in me and in you. And so the fruit is not plural, like, hey, you get love and you get joy, but you get peace and a few people get patience, not many. It's a very randomly given gift. It's like, it's harder to, to get that than win the lottery. Like, no, the Holy Spirit comes into you to produce Jesus likeness. And Jesus is all of these things. Now, what did Jesus promise? This is recap. John 14, we'll start there. We'll, we'll, we're, we're reviewing these because it matters. All this I've spoken while still with you. This is the instructions about how to live for him when he leaves. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I have said to you. Then he says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the human cultures of this world give. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then later in the same conversation, same conversation, I have told you all of these things so that in me you may have peace. And then a reality check. In this world you will have what? What do you have? Trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So Jesus is preparing people that make no sense. And sometimes when I think of Peter and James and John and these, you know, apostles, I'm thinking like, yeah, of course God would use them. Okay. You got to remember, most scholars think they are in their late teens or early 20s. None of them have gone to a university like us. These are not. The elite, they're not the first draft pick. They are ordinary, unschooled men, quote, unquote. That was the description of the early Jesus followers. They were shocked. How in the world could God's power come through ordinary people like this? And, and the answer is Jesus promised. And if he used ordinary people like them then, why would he change his mind about us today? Most of us are ordinary. Thanks, mom. You know, I mean, you know moms are you know, like, oh, you're, you're, you're exceptional. You're amazing. You're one of a kind. And which is true. You are one of a kind. Your DNA is unique and your fingerprint is, is unique. But let's, um, let's be real. Uh, it's the New York in me. Sorry. It's just, it's speak the truth in love. We're ordinary. Most of us. All of us. 
ordinary, we're regular. And this is good news because the Spirit will empower ordinary humans in the Bible and now to do extraordinary things. Now, when, you, when, when Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world, you could get the false idea that disciples of Jesus are never to be afraid, not true. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm telling you, they all freaked out. When Jesus, who tells the truth, says, you're gonna be in trouble for my name. You're gonna love me, do the right thing, and they're gonna put you in prison, and they're gonna hurt you, and some of you are gonna lose your life. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. Uh, my heart will be filled with fear, so with theirs. And, and so fear and a troubled heart is a natural response. Nothing wrong with following Jesus and experiencing fear. What Jesus says, though, is important. You don't have to stay afraid. You don't have to live in it. Why? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The evidence, the fruit, the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, we're going slowly through these. We went through love and we went through joy. And today, obviously, we're going to look at peace. The best message I've heard on peace um, it was given by Steve Marshman during our Advent series. I think it's the best message I've heard from someone who's going through a five-year cancer journey with his wife. And he shared from the Bible in his real life about peace. I, if you haven't heard it or if you did, you didn't get all of it, I would encourage you to download it and watch and listen again. But in it, as you do that, I want to review one quote he gave from an author, Max Lucado, which was so short and powerful. And it's this, quote, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. That is so deep and profound. The presence of anxiousness in our soul, fear, wonder, uh, discouragement, is, it's just unavoidable. Look, when evil happens and you wake up and you see that every day that I've been looking at my newsfeed, the number of loss of life in Turkey and Syria just goes up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then all those buildings that are gonna be demolished because they're uninhabitable, like, oh my goodness. That's just one, that's one news cycle. It's unavoidable, but the prison where, where you have no personal peace, where you have no soundness of mind, where you're incapacitated, it doesn't have to be a prison. That's optional. And mind you, a disclaimer, when I talk about anxiety, I'm talking about the restlessness that we all have as being humans. I'm not talking about those who are going through a medical struggle, a psychological struggle of anxiety that is profound. And we pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and help and wholeness for you. Do not feel guilty if it is gripping you in unreal ways. God knows. God is with you and God is for you. And we don't look down and Try to throw, you know, pat sayings that you like, just get over it. As if you can get over those medical diagnoses of anxiety or deep depression. We, we, we want to honor and love and pray God's wholeness for your mind. But know this, when you look at the list of love, joy, peace, and all these things, especially Paul, who's a writer of truth to the churches, based on the teachings of Jesus, he mentions joy 21 times in his letters, which is a lot. 
when you think about all the things you wanted to say. He talks about peace, though, 43 times. Joy is important, but peace is doubly important. Now, what is peace? Let's just define it, and let's just look at it and think about it for a few moments. Peace in the Bible is unlike our definition of peace. Peace in the Bible, two words. The first part of the Bible is written mostly in Hebrew. The second part, mostly in Greek. And both concepts are about complete or wholeness or, or a harmony in personal relationships. So shalom being the Hebrew word, and it's hard to describe with one word, but you could do it with pictures. It's like a stone that has no crack or no crumble to it. It is a stone that is complete. Or it's like a wall where there are no gaps. If you look at the wall, there's absolutely no gaps. It is, it's multiple pieces. It is whole. It is complete. In Irene, the, the same the New Testament word is similar in concept. But for us, when we think peace, we often, not always, we often think absence of conflict. Like, like if you have kids in the house, one day I will have the absence of chaos. Uh, I, I am friends with people who are new parents and empty nesters. That never happens. There's always chaos in relational life. Just the chaos now lives in another address and pays its own bills. Okay, but, but, but the chaos... He's always there. But at the same token, the Bible words are more focused on the relational dimension than circumstantial. So you're always going to have trouble. You're always going to have problems. You're always going to have bills. You're always going to have that. But, but a, a wholeness, a peace, is about harmony with God, harmony with one another. And so, so put in the Galatians 5 mix, the evidence that Jesus is living in you is love. Who's love? God's love. Given to you, going through you. Joy. Who's joy? Not my joy. God's, God is joy. His joy working now in you and working through you. And then this third term, peace, is about a wholeness that God wants to bring, a, a completeness, a building up of the healthy, good wall a wall that's gonna provide beauty and protection and goodness. And, and there's cracks and there's, there's gaps. And so what God wants to do is bring wholeness relationally into your life. And when I say that, if you're in conflict, immediately the picture of that person came to mind. Like, yeah, yeah I would have wholeness except, and whether it's the person that was really close that hurt you, or the person that doesn't even remember you exist because they were so far back and they were with your life for such a short period, but they were so disruptive, they were so pain-filled, they were so hurtful, they still live in your head. And I hate to say it, from their perspective, they don't even remember you. But for whatever reason, that shalom, that wholeness, that relational peace, it's yet to come in. Now, how does this actually work? There are three dimensions of peace I want to review. I'm only going to focus on the third because I think Stephen, his message, did a really good job about the first two, and I'm limited in time. But there are three dimensions of peace. There are more, at least three. There's peace with God. There's the peace that comes from God or of God. And then there's something about becoming a people of peace. And when you look at the Bible and these words and the Holy Spirit at work, 
The Holy Spirit is at work in all of these dimensions. I'm going to touch the first two because it would be it would be foolish to assume we all know what those are, but I'm only going to focus on the third. First, peace with God. This is Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we've been, speaking to Christians, justified through faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So someone shared, like Daniel was saying, the good news with us, that everyone was created in the likeness and image of God. Everyone on the planet. But everyone has walked away from God's love, done their own thing, born in rebellion and rebellious by choice. We all have our story. We all have gone our own evil way, some more obvious than others, but none of us can stand before God and say, hey, we're on equal terms here. I deserve to be here. None of us. And that separation, that lack of relational wholeness, God came to bring to bear peace with him through how? Trusting Jesus, that what God did in his son, he did for you, not just for the world, but for you by name. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you somehow mysteriously are at peace with God. Even though you did it or didn't do it, God by his grace says, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Now walk with me. We can be close again. This is good news. That's one dimension. And to me, that's the most exciting dimension. And that's why we go to Romania and other places of the world and share good news because people are not at peace with God. And frankly, if you're not at peace with God, it is through faith in Jesus. Trust and say, Jesus, thank you. I receive, I receive, I receive. And you will be at peace with God at first. Second, though, there's the one we're looking for and is most attractive to those who follow Jesus is the peace that comes from God, right? Or the peace of God. This is Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is where? Near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what? The peace of God, which transcends or is above all understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice the connection between joy and peace. These aren't separate, independent things. They're ingredients that all come together that because I'm at peace with God, I can, Jesus said, in this world, I will have trouble, but now I am not alone. So what we want to do is grow as God's people and experiencing the peace of God. How does it come? You just read it here and in your community group this week, talk about it. Talk about how do we, how do we actually bring all of our anxiousness to him? How do we allow his peace to come and rule in us and guard our hearts and minds. Doesn't mean our situations change. As a matter of fact, most people who follow Jesus experience his peace before anything changes. We, we come to him and he guards our hearts and minds from giving up. And, and the last three years, I tell you, this dimension has been so helpful. And through all the chaos of pandemic life and trying to lead, I can go story after story after story. I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, what in the world do I do? And then no answer comes to me but there is a realness from God that floods my soul and I know it's gonna be okay, God's with me. And then over time, 
the solution comes. But, I, but the circumstances don't have to change. I could have the peace of God in the middle of the thick of it to walk with him until he brings me through. That's good, but that's not where we're going. What I want us to look, about, look at is the third dimension that's the least talked about, but I think Jesus is alluding to when he says, my peace I leave with you. Why is he leaving his peace? Just so we'll be at peace with him? Yes, but that's not the only. Just so that we'll have his peace when we're in trouble? Yes, but that's not the only. It's because he wants his people to be peaceful. What does this look like? What, what does it mean to be a people of peace? All right, here we go. Romans 14, 19 through 21. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. This is written to Jesus' people. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Doesn't have to do with lunch. I'll talk about this in a minute. All food is clean. That's not a statement about sanitary conditions. We'll get to that in a minute. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat, so we should be vegan or vegetarian. No, he's not saying this. Or drink wine. All Oregonians are in trouble. And to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Okay. Uh, real quick summary on this. I'm jumping in the middle of a conversation. You read Romans 14 and 15, and the major situation is disruption in the church over differences of opinion and the call for God's people to be, because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is within, we need to allow God's peace to make it through me to you and from you to me. We need to be peaceable people. We need to become people who embody God's peace. What's the sticking point? Those of you who know the story, in the church were people who came from a Jewish background who started following Jesus, the Messiah, who continued to live with the early sayings given to Moses about what is kosher or allowable, what is not kosher, allowable, what will please God in terms of what we eat and drink. In the church, there were those who said, well, Jesus wouldn't eat this, neither will I. Jesus didn't do this, neither will I, because he came from the same heritage. What was given to Moses is now still active and important for me as a Jesus follower. But increasingly in the church, especially in Rome and everywhere else further from Jerusalem, were people who had no background, did not grow up kosher, didn't know or weren't embracing these dietary laws, but loved Jesus and received him by faith and were at peace with God and experiencing the peace of God, except when they went to community group, there was real anger. How in the world could you bring that Jesus-loving person into your home? Don't you know? To which the other person says, well, I... I thought that in Christ we're now free. And what I've been hearing is that our access to Jesus doesn't have to do with these external codes given to the people called Israel leading up to the Messiah. But now there's a newfound freedom that's found in Jesus. So of course, I keep the Ten Commandments. And of course, I love my neighbor as myself. But, but look, I like bacon. And so you immediately went to, oh my gosh, I like bacon too. Um, 
Now, with, well, this is, this is kind of a joke for us. These were fighting terms. This was like, you cannot be a Christian and vote for that party. How in the world could you support that candidate when don't you know? To which the other person says, well, man, I love and follow Jesus. And I thought all candidates were skewed and no one's perfect, but I feel like this person more embodies the way of Jesus to which you send a headline and you send a headline and you send a meme and you send a meme and you send a video and you send a video and suddenly it's like, Stephen, can I find a new community group that embraces the way of Jesus and my flag and my tradition and my opinion? And I just picked one of many things. I mean, we have all sorts of differences in this room. Some of you drink coffee because it needs to wake you up. Uh, uh, we'll wake you up. Others of you understand what coffee was given for. <laughs> deep pleasure, folks. Deep abiding. I'm talking about till you taste the notes and the nuances and how the flavor changes as the grease and temperature go down and like suddenly the cherry comes out and some of you are like, is this guy crazy? Yes, he is! <laughs> some of you drink it just because you have to. Others, you embody it. But look, whether you drink instant, which is, I don't even understand you, or, or you're into third wave, all sorts of nuances, we need to grow up and become people who embody God's peace one to another. What would it look like if there's actually a place that, that understands that we have different opinions about different things and yet, in Christ, we are brother and sister, even though my brother and sister don't agree with me on all things. What if there were a community that were a model to the world of how to disagree agreeably? And what, what, what Paul is saying to this church at Rome is, Rome is the center of the empire, okay? It is a culture-setting city. And when you in the church act like children, it makes Jesus look bad in the city that needs him. And so the word to us, let me read verse 19 of Romans 14 again. Let us, Jesus people, me first and everyone in this room, make every effort to do what leads to peace relational connection, relational wholeness. That is, there are things that are gonna be, I'm passionate about that I'm not gonna force you to be passionate about or force you to agree with in order for me to love you richly, deeply. And so the fruit of, or the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in us as, is when we allow God's desire for relational wholeness to be more valuable than the things that I feel are right. And, and this is something we are called to become the people of peace and to make every effort so we can have wholeness and completeness in our relationships with God because of Jesus. We can have wholeness and completeness and soundness of mind in the craziness of life, peace with God, the peace of God. Yet God wants to grow us to be people who represent him well. And, and God, 
God has overlooked a lot, wouldn't you agree, to bring us close. Just think about for a moment how much God has put up with you. <laughs> I'm speaking about you. I've got it together, obviously. Um, no. How many shenanigans has God put up with in your life? Because he loves you enough to get to the center of it and to draw you close to his son so that you can become close with him again. But even as his children, sometimes we're not very nice with God. And yet he, he doesn't ignore it, but he works with us and he draws us. And now what, 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 what we need to grow into is to become people who overlook. We have differences in sporting teams and some of you are wearing you know, the green and blue colors and some of you are wearing the red and gold colors because you enjoy your team. Look, great, wonderful, nothing wrong with that. But we have also bigger differences. We have differences in parenting style. And that really shows up in a community group. Where it's like, hmm, you're letting little Johnny do hmm, hmm, right? We, we, have, we have differences in politics. We have, we have differences in how we spend our money. Or the money that God has given us. We have, we have differences in how we value time and resources. We have differences in where we will go and where we will not go because we belong to Jesus. And I'm not saying, hear me, ignore truth. I'm not saying ignore right and wrong. No, no. We uphold the truth. We uphold what is right. But we recognize there is a difference between my opinion about a secondary or a third level issue and the truth of Jesus. And when we make them all the same thing, no wonder people outside the church say, you could take your Jesus because I've seen you guys fight and on this side of the fence, we're nicer than you. Which is sometimes the truth and ought to break our heart. Okay, it just ought to break our heart and cause us to say, God, will you make me a, pe a person of peace? Okay, so we're supposed to make every effort to do what? To find God's peace and allow God's peace to bring us together and to mutual edification. I love it. Paul brings up a building. So I can have opinions about anything and I'm entitled to those. She's so like, Jose, am I not supposed to? Of course you can have opinions, all right? At the count of three, I just, if you know what you're having for dinner, at the count of three, I just want you to tell me all together. You ready? You know what you're having for dinner? One, two, three. Exactly. You're having calories. And you said one thing and you heard something else. And and that is okay. It is okay to eat Italian seven days a week. It's okay. Or whatever your flavor is. But we have to grow up and, and recognize what I want to do when it comes to, oh, and by the way, I didn't tease out the text. In Paul's conversation with the Roman church, he not only had an opinion, he knew the truth of the matter. And he knew because he had read the Bible in light of Jesus, that Christians did not have to keep kosher. They, don't, they didn't. But you know what he says? To those of you who don't eat kosher, think about your brothers and sisters who do. And don't belittle them. Do what it takes to bring a situation that when you're together, 
And there, coming over for community group, you think about what you lay on the table because you can eat bacon, but if you're gonna eat it to spite them and show them your freedom, you're not a person of peace, and the spirit is the spirit of peace. And to the person who has these convictions and says, I shouldn't and I can't, keep your convictions. If it's a matter of conscience between you and the Lord, abstain, don't eat it, don't drink it, no worries. Oh, by the way, it doesn't save you. It doesn't save you. But because you're a child of God, if you wanna live in this way, that is no problem. Don't export and bully the rest of the church and force them to have convictions that are secondary. And it's not like, don't you just wish the Bible was all settled and they figured it out? But it's written for eternity because these are eternal challenges. Romans 12, 17 to 18. I love it. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, which implies it's not always possible to be completely relationally close and in good health with everyone. It's not always possible. They passed away. And things were left unsaid or undone. Well, you can't reconcile. They've passed away. They're no longer accessible. Well, you can't reconcile. But in your heart, you could live reconciled. You could say, God, I release that to you. They're still being evil. They haven't repented. They're still like literally being vicious. Well, as long as in your realm, you cannot hate them, although you're not going to invite them to dinner. But as much as you can, in our polarized, cancel culture world, let's not live like the world, let's embrace the spirit, and the spirit can show a culture gone bad the beautiful way of Jesus. And we living this way will be the reason that people say, it's not working in my system, but I noticed with you there's an openness and a warmth and a generosity. And we could say, well, it's not just because I'm Southern and nice, um, but it's, it's actually Jesus has done a deep work in my life. And if you knew how I used to treat people, but now in light of the grace of God, I'm beginning to see that God loves. And so I want to become welcoming as God is welcoming. And this, this is, frankly, this is good news. And by the way, it's the way of Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called what? Children of God. It's what children of God do. It's, it's what children of God are enabled to do. God is the peacemaker. Hear me clearly. God's the peacemaker. He gives us peace with himself. He gives us his peace into our troubled world. But now he invites us to live like his kids. And you know what? It's the best way to live. To grow in becoming a peacemaker is the greatest way to live, which is why James, the brother of Jesus, gives us an illustration. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I love the visual. What can I do? I can't, I can't monitor your response, but you know what I can do? Farm analogy. I can look at the ground and I can sow. I can, I can be peaceable. I can extend grace. I can sow peace. And you know the great thing about farming is I don't get instant gratification. I sow peace today. And it may take a year, two years. It may take watering. It may take sunlight. It may take time. 
in time. The harvest is rightness, relational rightness. This takes energy and effort. It doesn't have immediate results, but it's the best way to live. What would it look like if hundreds and hundreds of us chose to say, in my life, because I have the Spirit, I am a child of God, I can sow peace into as many situations as I can. This is what it means to be a person of peace. We don't have it all together. Sometimes uh, we get it wrong, but we turn and we say, God, you are love and you are joy and you are peace. Now, Lord, may your, may your wholeness and completeness be worked out in me and worked through me for the good of others. We can throw fuel on the fire or we could put the fire out. And um, I think that's a good word for some of us. Uh, a side note, because it needs to be said in this digital age. Uh, think about what your grandkids would think if they read your feed. You say, well, I'm 16, I don't have grandkids. Would, uh, would, would, would you like them, if given a transcript of all the stuff that you say about other people, demeaning, purposefully demeaning, tongue-in-cheek demeaning, sarcastic demeaning, would you want your legacy to be grandpa, grandma was a person of anger and angst, a troublemaker, unnecessarily? Or would you love your legacy to be like, you know, they had strong opinions and convictions, but they were generous and kind and thought about other people. And in the end, grandma, grandpa, they, they wanted people to love one another as God loves them. And this isn't a fairy tale. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And we can grow in this area. Three questions we ought to ask ourselves in light of everything that's just been said. Number one, are you at peace with God? Are you at peace? It begin, none of this peacemaking makes any sense if, if you're not right with God. Today, you can receive Jesus Christ, who is peace, and he can make you in the right with God. By trusting in him, he did it all. Now he invites us to say, I believe that your death and resurrection was for me and I receive you. You could be at peace with God. Are you in the need of peace that comes from God? We have a prayer team. Every week we invite you. If anything is going on in your heart and life, please receive prayer. Let someone who loves Jesus, who doesn't know you, pray for you. It's a statement a faith for you to say, I need to receive. And so why don't you just receive the love of God through someone else? And I invite you, when we get up to take communion, I invite you just to go to the back and let someone from our team pray or just with the people around you in the middle of singing, who cares? Just say, would you pray for me? And you don't need to give details. I need, I need God's intervention in my world. We wanna be people that receive the peace of God? And are, are you willing to share God's peace? The worship team's gonna come and we're gonna respond with singing and with prayer, with communion with God. Uh, the songs that have been chosen have been thought about to point our hearts towards application. Um, friend, watching online, friend, here, make peace with God. And today, if you've not yet received Jesus Christ, while we're singing, Simply say to God what he already knows. God, I believe that you exist and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, for me. I receive, 
I receive him. God, give me the life I can't give myself. And friend, you will become a child of God. And, and the spirit will come into you and begin to work God's love in and through you. And gosh, this would be great. All right, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet if you would. And I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing. And then the, Ryan will lead us in a little bit to the table. Make sure you grab your community group discussion guide before you go, because now we get the fun stuff of before chips and guac this afternoon watching a game of working out what it means to become people of peace together. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the gift that you've given us in Jesus. And now we want to grow in what it means to live like you. So Holy Spirit of God, as we respond in worship, to the Father and the Son, and to you, Holy Spirit. Now we're asking you, as we meet in our groups and talk this through, as we hear from you, God, begin to shape us and convict us of areas of compromise and encourage us in the things that you're already doing. Lord, we just need you. So we submit all these things to you, trusting that you're working towards our good and the good of the world. Holy Spirit, um, move in this place. And help us to become more like Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's uh, sing and respond in worship.